Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the 485th show of ROI, and our guests for today's show are Sarah and Dane Moulton, owners of the Renwick Mansion. And we're going to be talking about... Dun, da, 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 the Renwick Mansion. <laughs> Joining us for the second segment of our show are our history buffs, Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. So to begin with, welcome to the show, Sarah and Dane. Thank you. Thank you, Dick. Thanks for having us on. So we call this first segment Farouk Dinarin, and our goal is simply to give our listeners a little bit of background on today's subject. So can you start us off with some basic information on the Renwick Mansion? Uh, yeah, we'll try to give the, the rundown. So um, it kind of started off uh, even before it was the Renwick Mansion. It was the, the mass mound of Davenport. And so the history goes back um, into the early 1800s. But the, the mansion itself was built in 1877 by uh, William Renwick, who was a lumber industrialist. I don't like to say lumber baron because it has uh, bad connotations, maybe. Um, but his father was the mayor in Davenport for a time uh, in the 1860s also. Uh, he inherited this business from his dad, built the Renwick Mansion overlooking the Mississippi and Renwick Pier, which was their kind of base of operations. Um, the house was bought up in early 1900s by St. Catherine's School um, and then renovated along with St. Catherine's, which is next door. Um, and that was formerly the Davies House or Davies Mansion and uh, and became part of St. Catherine's School. Um, and then that turned into St. Catherine's St. Mark's, which then was bought and turned into um, assisted living um known as Dab Hill. It had a couple of different names. Um, it got run down during that time. It was closed down in the 90s um, and kind of dilapidated. It was bought up by uh, Chris Ailes, a developer, who um, put a lot of a lot of money and time and effort into restoring it um, back to its original or as close to the original as he could get, um, both buildings, St. Catharines and, and the Renwick Mansion. Um, it was... Uh, it was then sold to his cousin, who was a state senator, uh, former Senator Joe Sang, um, who has since passed away. And, and we bought it from his estate in 2017. So um, we've had it since 2017. We just hit our five-year mark. And uh, we run, um, run it as a, as a business. So it's a bed and breakfast. Uh, without the breakfast, people always say it's a bed and breakfast. Like, well, I won't cook for you, but <laughs> it, there are beds. Uh, so we, we do weddings. Uh, it's kind of our, our main business, and uh, we do just about anything, though. So we have it for birthday parties, grad parties, um, overnight stays, family reunions. We have comedy shows and concerts and um, just about anything you can think of. We've probably tried it. Um, Sarah, what, what did I miss in that? Um, I think we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> That was the fast rundown. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about the 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 house itself. Um, is it a particular style? Um, what does it look like on the inside? How much of the original was salvageable after having sat um, abandoned for a while? Um, you know, just kind of walk us through what the inside looks like, feels like, so forth and so on. Sure, it, it's. Uh... It is a roughly 9,000 square feet of living space. It's a nine-bedroom house. Uh, it is an Italianate style, uh, Italianate villa style. Um, so it has a uh, fourth-story fourth tower um, that you can walk up to and access and even walk outside to a widow's walk. Um, it's uh, limestone exterior. 
and uh, and with limestone um, sills and decorative pieces and stuff around windows. Uh, it's this beautiful old building. Uh, when you walk in, uh, there's a big foyer, uh, 13 over 13 foot ceilings, um, crown molding, big trim. Um, you know, being a lumber industrialist, I think he uh, William got the the pick of the trim. And uh, there's a two tone walnut, so there's English walnut and black walnut, and the the doors and trim, which give it a really cool look. Um, like I said, there's nine bedrooms, um, eight fireplaces, which are marble and granite. They're all unique. Yep. Um, and, and so that, that kind of bleeds over into what was salvageable and what was not. We always wondered what the story was. There's one fireplace on the second floor that's different. It's iron and clearly put in after the fact. Um, and so we found out that as the building was kind of falling apart in the nineties, um, uh, before Chris Ailes put an offer and he said he went in there one time and, and, it was in such bad shape that they were actually piling up boxes of um, the things from St. Catharines from the building next door. As people were um, passing away or moving on or leaving stuff there, they would just go pile it on second floor to catch rainwater that was leaking in the roof. Um, so there's a lot of trim that was recreated in that room and the fireplace is gone. Um, so we started to pick it apart and sell parts of the house too. So um, there is definitely some things that are recreated, but it's, it's pretty seamless. It looks really good. And, and he, uh, Carver Lumber um, out of Milan was the, the they were the ones that kind of recreated the trim and match everything. Okay, so this will have to be the last question for the segment. Um, but I'm interested, what made you guys think about putting an offer for this and and picking up a bed uh, business and and um, weddings and all the other. How much due diligence did you do? Was this kind of a, you know, we've done this before, or did you sort of just jump in with both feet and sort of figure it out as you went along? <laughs> well, we sort of just jumped in with both feet. We um, So Dane was a teacher, and I was director of religious education at the time, um, but we love old houses. We are actually living in the third one that we've taken back um, to its original. Um, they were all split into duplexes or triplexes. And um, we um, got to know the Renwick Mansion. My mother got remarried there. And then Dane's brother got married there. And um, we fell in love with the building. And actually, at the time his brother was planning his wedding, um, Renwick came up for sale. Um, and so people would tag us and post just to be funny, just as a joke, because we love old houses. Um, and then before you knew it, I was like, Dane, we should go to the bank and just see what might happen. <laughs> so, And, and yeah. look what happened. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have so much more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. If you are wondering how to find out where locals love to go, there's a website called localsloveus.com. Or you can pick up a Locals Love Us guide around town as well. Localsloveus.com. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world. My name is Jay Swords. This is the second segment of the show referred to as The Kitchen Table. 
Our guests for today are Sarah and Dane Moulton, owners of the Renwick Mansion, and we're going to be talking about the Renwick Mansion. Our history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Rick, start us off. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Sarah and Dane, I uh, am going to ask the question, where did you start? And it's predicated on my youngest brother and I bought our parents' um, 7,500-square-foot, three-story behemoth in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And uh, it wasn't in bad shape, but it was quite a uh, challenge uh, to, uh, you know, we had to answer the question, where do we start? And the description that you gave in the introduction on what you purchased, uh, the mansion was in bad shape. So where did you start? Where did you start the rehab of Renwick Mansion? Um, that's a good question. I, I should say and, and give credit to it. There was a huge amount of work that was done in early 2000s. Um, so 22 years ago, I think they started a, a, a massive overhaul of the building. So as far as functionality and inside, um, they even went as far as to get designers to put up. Uh, the wallpaper is new. Plaster work was new um, then. So so it was mostly remodeled. I mean, it was fully remodeled then. Obviously, 20 years later, the biggest thing, I guess, the place that we started, that I started, um, a lot of rotting wood outside. There were leaks in the roof and some plaster work to do um, on the inside. As it sat vacant for a year, you know, from from the time we made our first offer to the time that we actually uh, turned the key was almost a year and a half um, as it just sat. So it was uh, it was rotting wood outside, um, which is a constant battle <laughs> with the with the elements. So. That that was that was definitely where we said that that's where we've got to start. But um, I, I definitely can't take take credit for the the full rehab by any means. Okay, Ed. Thanks, Jay. Um, when you uh, when you went about the renovation, um, Davenport's got a some kind of historic preservation commission or something like that that has rules that you need to follow, and I would expect. Um, this building being on the National Register of Historic Places for almost 40 years now, um, some of that can get quite involved and it gets down to very spe- some very specific things on materials. Um, can you talk about that um, and what that whole process is like? So having not, um, I mean, I honestly don't know everything that I should on that process. We had, we had a historic society meeting there right away when we opened, they reached out to us and, and met and, um, but it's not like you, you get this and they give you a pamphlet that says, here are the things that you've got to do. Um, if that makes sense. So you, you kind of, uh, build the plane as you fly. Um, but I do know yeah, that there's definitely, um, you know, I can't decide, I can't put vinyl clad windows in because they're more energy efficient and I can't, decide to change colors to something fun or crazy, you know, you have to, you have to keep everything um, looking like it would have when it was built more or less, you know? And so you have to use double hung windows and um, single pane glass. And, and um, I know that even uh, talking to Chris Ailes, I guess I got a better appreciation for it when he, he said that they had to use even a certain mortar mix um, when they uh, did tuck pointing um, because that, that would have been more, more, original than you know something some new product but that hasn't it hasn't uh because we haven't done any major overhaul of anything it hasn't really uh impacted us that much i guess 
And are you able to find local craftsmen and artisans that can obtain these required materials and that have the expertise? Can you find that locally, or do you have to go out of town? Um, so far, we haven't had to um, go out of town. Um, like I said, I'm working with Carver Lumber again right now um, in creating. Um, I'm going to have to replace the base of the columns that were they were all replaced um, in, like I said, around 2000. Um, you know, the problem with anything newer, especially exterior, as you you um, you know are limited to what kind of wood you can use that in, in those kind of dimensions, um, is that 20 22 years later, here we are to completely rotted wood again. Um, so I'm going to, I'm replacing those and working with those guys. Um, but I haven't had to reach out too far, um, to find anything. I, I was, a I built houses, um, for a few years. And, and so most of the maintenance, most of the work I'm doing myself, um, and, and, and you know, unless it's something bigger, which, which just hasn't come up. Um, although, maintenance stuff like the there's geothermal heating and cooling which um clearly was put in it's not original <laughs> um but uh th- you know th- there's maintenance work with that um that that we found companies locally for okay um dane i'm interested in uh you know we've talked a little bit about the, the house itself but any house of that kind of size over time will develop stories um and so i'm wondering are there interesting stories uh, maybe since we're kind of dealing with Halloween and so forth and so on, are there uh, some some ghost stories rambling about in the Renwick Mansion that you'd be willing to share? <laughs> sure, um, Sarah, jump into if you can uh, think of something. So I mean, we've had uh, since opening actually right away. Um, there's a, a local group, um, Ghost Crier, uh, specifically Aaron Thompson reached out. Um, right when we opened and said, Hey, I would love to get in there and do some investigating and see what we can find. And so, so they had groups come in right away and, and stay the night and use some equipment and, and, um, you know, would find, would, uh, find things. So I guess the, the reoccurring theme that people say, um, as they say that they, um, experience something is that there's a little girl there. I guess the, the, the one story that I would have is we had a baby shower there on a Sunday afternoon and, um, I was bartending and, and we were closed down at that point. Everybody left. Um, so it was just the woman who rented it and her daughter. And she came inside kind of like visibly shaken by something. And she said, who else is here right now? And I said, well, this, it's nobody. It's just you two. And I was like locking up. And she's like, because my daughter just came outside and said, Mom, who's that little girl right inside the door? <laughs> I was like, well, there's nobody else here. Um, so it, we definitely get a lot of stories. Um but you're also talking to um, one of the biggest skeptics. So I, I have yet to see the proof that I need for myself. Fair enough. Sarah, you want to add anything to that? Any, any Anything fun? Um, no. We One time at um, one of our comedy shows, we were, again, bartending while the comedian was on stage. And a group of people in the back turned around just awestruck and like, what's happening? What's going on? Like, I thought something major apparently um one of the wooden blinds had flipped up and down but again we're the biggest skeptics and i was like well there is a vent behind the stage it might have just flipped up so <laughs> that ruins the mood that's <laughs> <laughs> a buzzkill i know right, right. Oh, yeah. how much had you been drinking <laughs> yeah the bar was open wasn't right, right. it yeah yeah uh Rick. sarah and dane um I, I read a little background that you sent me um 
and there was some uh, struggle to actually win uh, the bid or uh, get your offer accepted. Can you walk us through why you were thwarted on your first attempts to buy it and and did you beat them down in price or <laughs> did uh, 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 what happened? How did you finally uh, get your offer accepted? Um, so it was originally priced very high and um, it was a business at the time. However, they were not sharing their books. Um, I don't know uh, if they had books or oh, yeah. they just weren't sharing them. So in order for us to get a loan, you know, we needed proof that we could actually run a business and that it would be profitable and we could do it, of course. Um, and so they were selling the building as if it were a business and we just, we had no books to prove to the bank that it could be a business. So, yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, the, the number that they wanted, the number the bank was willing to give didn't line up and, um, there's actually, so there's another house. Um, we call it the guest house. Um, I don't know if you, some people may call it a carriage house, but it's on the same parcel. Um, in, in the abstract, it's not even really clear when it was built. Um, it's just been part of the same parcel as Renwick um, since 1900-ish. Um, and, and that house is part of it, uh, but we never even got to see the inside of the house until an offer was accepted. And so we kind of went, we went back and forth a lot and said, that's really strange. Like, I need to see the other house <laughs> and the bank wants to know, you know, does it need to be bulldozed or is it, is it in pristine condition or is it where, where is it in between, you know? So that, there were just a lot of uh, hangups along the way, I guess, where the parties didn't see eye to eye. So we actually walked away from the whole thing um, for almost a year and then, um, and had, had totally reserved us ourselves to the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And, came back almost a year later and it was still sitting vacant and we walked up and peeked in the doors again and made another appointment. And we said, Hey, this is, the roof is now leaking. That This is, you know, this is happening. It's, this is not good to just let it sit. So um, we, we ended up coming, coming to a better, a, a better deal, uh, I guess. Um, and that they were willing to take less. Okay. Ed. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the four story tower. How far can you see up and down the river? Uh, so you can see um, from actually on a really clear day, you can see all the way to the 280 bridge. Um, so you can just barely make it out in the distance. And I should ask Sarah this question, I guess, because I don't see well. <laughs> but, but you can and you can see past the 74 bridge the other way in, into Bettendorf um, and uh, over Arsenal Island and um, obviously downtown Bettendorf, downtown Davenport. Okay, so I'm curious because you run this as as uh, both a bed without the breakfast, as well as a wedding venue and all the rest of that. Can you talk to us a little bit for for listeners who might be thinking that would be a cool thing to do uh, with an old house renovating whatever? Um, what are the um, the joys and challenges and pitfalls of running that kind of a business with a uh, with an older house? Um, interrupt me anytime, Sarah. <laughs> it's, I mean, if, if anybody would have ever offered me a job that said, you're going to work seven days a week. Um, I don't know how much money you'll make. You may, you might not make any some months. Um, and you're going to work really hard and you'll be on call all the time. And you, uh, might be fixing a toilet this minute and bartending the next and mowing lawn tomorrow. And the next day you'll be on the roof. Um, I would say absolutely not, but, but we absolutely love it. I mean, we love the house. We love the property. It's, it's like our fourth child. I always say it's our fourth child. It just happens to be 9,000 square feet. Um, 
so so we love it, and I think you have to love it in order to do it um, because it would hard it would be really hard to talk somebody into that on paper. Um, it doesn't it doesn't sound good. Um, you know, the day to day is is not glamorous a lot of times. Although you know, when people see it, that, that's I think their first thought is like, wow, that must be fun. You guys, you know, you just party all the time, and you have weddings, and you have events, and you have shows, and you have that must be great. And it's like, well, those parts are great, but there's a lot of hours in between those things <laughs> that that are not always great and um, yeah, but it's well worth it. It's It's been awesome to have it open to the community again, and we've gotten to meet so many new people, and we're a part of, you know, weddings, which are great days. So it's it's been amazing. So, yeah, uh, yeah just as a follow-up, you guys don't cook, so the weddings are catered in by somebody else, but you do bartend? Correct. Okay. Well, yeah, it's just have- having your right priorities, Jay. Yeah, That's yeah, all that you know, I'm just I mean, making you, sure, you know. Sleep and drink. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not really set up to cook, but yeah, any any caterers can come in. <laughs> well, that's my question, Jay, is okay. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, let's say that I see it and think bed and breakfast. Well, it's only a bed. Where do we get the meals? Is there a kitchen that I can go do my, my world-famous cheesy scrambled eggs or something? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. There's there's a kitchen on first floor and a kitchenette on third floor. So, um, yeah, full full kitchen downstairs um, and and all all the things you might need. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, our more ambitious couples, actually, wedding couples, will come in for the weekend and even cook for for the masses. So, um, one of my best, my favorite catered or non catered weddings last year. I mean, favorite food was uh, the mom cooked food for 150 people. So, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a big kitchen. Yeah, yeah that that is a good sized kitchen. <laughs> um, Dane and Sarah, um, any property like this, particularly one of such such age, um, requires ongoing maintenance, and presumably you've got you know a list of things that you're going to do in the next five years and the next ten years. Um, can you tell us a little bit um, the things that are on that list? Uh, yeah, that's that is our. You're right; it's our ongoing list. Um, I have uh, in, in the very near future, I've got a, a balcony to replace a lot of the wood on on, on uh, off of bedroom two, so it's um, overlooking the event space. Um, I did another balcony last year. Um, a lot of paint to do. I've got to get up to the tower next summer is my goal to uh, get a lift and get up there and um, scrape and repaint, um, seal, caulk, do all, all those things need to be done um, to, to make that right again. Um, but, you know, as, uh, as things happen, we had some geothermal issues this year um, that set things back, you know, and then and, instead of doing the list that you thought you were going to be doing for these weeks here, you know, we're working with contractors to come in and try to find the problem and, you know, A, B, C, and D. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, the, the priority list changes quickly sometimes. But, um, the, the again, the, the biggest thing to get out and do are those those woodworking projects um, and, and come up with a plan and design for that. And I mean, the, the, the design is already there. It's, it's set for us, obviously. You can't change that. But, um, yeah, and then uh, there's iron, the iron uh, work around the roof. Uh, is going to have to be um, painted also, so that that's on my radar, but not on, on the top of my priority list either. Yeah, during this winter, we'll get into what was originally the 
maids' corners. It's not as glamorous, so we're going to try to brighten it up and put some fresh paint on it and make it look nice during our slower months. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, we've talked a lot about the house and, and the exterior and interior. What about the grounds themselves? Um, are there plans to to do stuff, you know, landscaping kinds of things or to put in, I don't know, gazebos or whatever it is to, to you know, to make it more marketable as a wedding venue? Um and, and, you know, do you plan to do those things yourselves, or is that something you think you'll contract out? Uh, yeah, actually, um, one of the things that's been keeping me up at night lately is, is thinking about um, a gazebo. You know, right now, on the so it's on four, four acres. Um, a lot of that is like gravel and grass parking lot area. Um, so the actual event space is an acre or so. Um, and, I, yeah, I would love to put a big uh, a big um gazebo but bigger than a gazebo what's the word i'm looking for i'm not sure pavilion um, maybe yeah I'm so, not yeah, sure. yeah pavilion there you go um so yeah like a 40 by 80 foot pavilion would be fantastic out there and take some grading and stuff right now it's a pipe dream um but i would love to so right now people bring in tents um and they'll put up a temporary tent out there but obviously that's that's tough on the lawn we put in new sod last yep. year and kind of graded the lawn a little bit um, to make it better. Um, but, you know, even after a season of weddings, we have 25 weddings in a season, um, just the number of people out there and machinery to put up the tents and take the tents down and stuff, it just, it gets beat up. So, yeah, we, w- we would love to have some permanent structures out there. So, once again, that would take talking to the Historic Society. I'm not sure what the guidelines on any, you know, outbuildings or anything like that would be. Yeah, as somebody who who lives in a historic home over in Rock Island, it's really interesting that entire process. For us, we can do anything outside um as long as it doesn't um obscure in some way the building. And it feels to me like every preservation commission operates differently. So, I wish you luck on on uh, on that process as you go through. Um Thanks. So, it is customary that we give our guests the last word on the show. And so, Sarah and Dane, um, why do you think knowing about places like the Renwick Mansion is relevant in today's world? Uh, Sarah pointed at me, so <laughs> I'll go first, I guess. Um, I, I think, I mean, I love history. I've loved um, the process, which we didn't get into the real specifics of, um, you know, people that live there and all that, but. You know, we have a whole wall devoted to the, the history in the lounge there where, where you can look through and see the family and see who lived there. Um, but I think when, you know, as we're talking about this, like it's ancient history and it's, it's not, you know, it's 145 years ago. Um, this is what was happening under our feet. And I, I think that it's important to keep that and get as many people to see it as possible. And I think a lot of these big old houses, you, you just never get into, you never see the inside, you never even think about, wow, this is how this family lived. Um, and I think it's a really cool thing that we have where we're, we're able to get people in and, and tell that story every single week, you know, multiple times to people. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant 
This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 485th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guests, Sarah and Dane Moulton, owners of the Renwick Mansion, and we've been talking about the Renwick Mansion. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all of our listeners to experience the great Pasutu proverb, Hotsa Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Mm-hmm.